In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. It's been nine weeks. We've been on holiday. We're coming into our sixth year of recording Browns, Cleveland Browns podcasts. And I'm here with the man from the start, Jack Duffin. Three years in, Ian, right, right, right. Jack, how are you? It's it's mad to think we've been doing this six years. I came along um, to meet you. Um, I think it was the first time we actually met in person. And uh, I... in the George England game in the Euros, I think it was. And I met you there first of all, and then we went to the office, I think. Nice. Uh, who knows? It was a, a lot of beer has been drunk since then. But uh, to go from like, I was just one guest to, yeah, six years now we've been doing a podcast. This is our sixth anniversary today. Um, thank you guys to everyone that's been listening. It has been a genuine blast. And don't worry, there's a few people panicking. Will we come back? Nothing happens for the last six weeks um, after sort of everything with the season wraps up. So we all just had a load of beer and relaxed. Did I tell you guys this week, someone parked up outside my house, was doing a carpet job. And he said to me, Paul, I listened to your podcast. And I'm like, no. And he goes, yeah, put Cleveland Brown's hat on and goes, I listened to the podcast. How good's that? That's amazing. And just in, in other crazy stuff, I was chatting to someone a couple of weeks ago and they told me there's people in the Cleveland Browns who work for the team that actually read some of the articles I write. That is just insane. Um, yeah. And enjoy yeah, them. Don't, don't just read them and hate them. <laughs> uh, Ian, how's everything with you, buddy? It's good. We're, you know, we're still holding down the stateside aspect of the podcast, making sure that you guys don't get too British on all of us, but yeah, everything is good. You know, it's, it is kind of crazy. You know, we were sitting there in the pre-show kind of just talking about when was my first show? And we had to go back to like the Braxton Miller with the Browns days for all of you diehards that know when that was, we're talking 2019 time. So no, it's fun. And actually it's my parents just got back from a five week little jaunt around Europe and they had fun telling all of our cousins and aunts and uncles and everybody over there that, I, of course, do a podcast with a couple of their local Brits. So it's all good fun, right? Mad to think you once went on holiday to Scotland and London and then end up on a podcast. Yeah, I tell my wife that's the long-lasting aspect of our trip. Yeah, well, there we go. But, guys, it's not about us. We're about the Cleveland Browns. It's all about the Browns. And the first thing I want to talk about is... We've got a plan for the podcast going forward. But how are we all feeling about the um, potential uh, 53-man roster and how how the rooms panning out? My question to you guys is, what rooms do you think, yes, this is good level? And which rooms are you a little bit worried about secretly? Like, I don't know. I think we need a few more free agents in in that uh, department. I'd say if we're looking at the offense first, the only room I really look at and think, 
we need to add something else is just running back. Um, and it's not much. I just think if Chubb goes down or Chubb misses games, comes out, relying on Ford and Felton, and they could turn out to be great players. I'm not saying that, but if Chubb got injured for, say, the first four weeks of the season, I don't feel good running Ford and Felton um, with a third choice of John Kelly going into uh, week one. And I know you could go out there once they go down and pick up a Marlon Mack or someone like that. So it's not like worst case scenario, you've got nothing beyond that. But I think even like 2 million for one year of Zeke Elliott or something, just as a backup, I think it's something worth looking at for the team. Or Justin Jackson is another player that I think would be really intriguing to see what he could offer. Do, do you think now we should have just kept hold of the Ernest Johnson? He didn't want to stay. Um, I think they looked at potentially bringing him back, but he didn't want to stay. And uh, certainly no fan of bringing back Kareem Hunt. He's still out there, but he's washed. Uh, what's your thought on the uh, running back room, Ian? Actually, running back isn't where I would have gone with it. And it's mainly because at this point in the season, I just will assume I'm taking the 53, the starting 11 on offense for what it is. You know, obviously the depth of the running back room, Jack makes a valid point. And Jack, be careful. Uh, there's been random reports out there that Kareem Hunt, you know, hasn't lost the Cleveland Browns phone number. So, you know, he may end up coming back if they, he has nowhere else to go. But in terms of the starting five, I think the biggest question marks for me, uh, and it's easy to kind of say it's a quarterback, right? Because you have this $200 million quarterback in Deshaun Watson, and we saw the last six games weren't exactly what we all thought they were going to be, some of us anyways. Um, so I think that one obviously will be the most impactful. But in terms of collective, I still think the offensive line has a lot to prove. You know, Jed Wills hasn't proven what really he can be out there at the left side. Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller, okay, you're good. Batonio's a year older. Teller's not coming off his greatest year. You know, is Posick going to bounce back at center? You know, we don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a question. You obviously have Nick Harris as a backup. And Jack Conklin out there at the right. Are we going to get all pro Jack Conklin or are we going to be looking for, you know, a second string offensive tackle? He can't, you know, fight that injury bug again. So for me, the biggest question is on the offensive line. I think it's a fair yeah. question. We've, we've seen a phenomenal half a season of Pochic. And that, that, that's, they have got a bit carried away. I'm not saying that he's a bad player, but we just don't know yet. Um, it's still so early on. Um, so running back room, you know, I was on a podcast like last night and they were really freaking out that we got no depth at running back. I was a little bit more confident that saying that, you know, Nick Chubb's our number one. Um, we classically, you classically run running backs into the ground. But if there was an injury to um, Chubb, you go and pick up, you know, a, a, a big name that could easily, who's a free agent that could easily come in and uh, replace him for the for the season or how long is is that not a good strategy, Jack, or or how do you feel about it? I think it just comes down to like Leonard Fournette. Um, time recording, I think it's just gone to the Patriots today or yesterday. He's he's somewhere at the minute um, in talks with the Patriots, but. There's about, I'd say, another five out there that you'd feel okay with being starter in sort of soft quote marks that, hey, we've seen enough. Leonard Fournette, if you asked him to do a job, you know he's going to do a job. Um, 
he's not some superstar. He's not going to replace Nick Chubb, but he's reliable. Um, whereas once you get beyond that, and if the last three, four of these guys get signed, you're relying on Marlon Mack coming in. It's not quite as favourable. If you're going to get Zeke for, say, two, two and a half, I'd just pay it um, and just be like, hey, this is done. We'll work out. And it's one of the reasons why I was so frustrated last year that they kept running Kareem Hunt and didn't give Ford any real opportunity. I think he ran like 11 carries for 12 yards or something. That was his numbers for the season. You could have given him like four or five games as sort of the main backup and just seen is he any good? Because you just don't know either way, and that, that's the frustration. But also, um, in the same sense, if the offensive line is performing at a top-five level, Jack, you bring in Fournette, Zeke, Marlon Mack, Justin Jackson, they're going to produce if you have that type of output. So I think that if you want to plug that hole in the back of running back, you're going to get production as long as you're getting upper level production out of in fact your offensive line so i think it's kind of a catch-22 because while they will be able to step in and not be nick chubb they can maybe be 80 percent of nick chubb which is you know still pretty darn good yeah or they just throw the ball more than that that'd be excellent um yeah it's really interesting i actually brought the point up on the podcast last night is that um yes we have got two great tackles on paper uh, a top 10 first round talent and a pro bowler, but they've got to really step up. And uh, who's our swing tackle coming into the uh, this year? Hudson at the moment, which is uh, a little concerning. But who knows? He he might be able to go out and deliver. And he's he's never been horrendous beyond the first season. So it's not one that he wad, waddles out there. And I'm like, all oh, the the game's over. We're relying on Desmond Harrison or something. He, he, oh. Don't just want him to be a bit better. I was a big fan of Desi Harris in the day. Oh, so UDFA, of course you are. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the tight end room? You know, um, I, I really love the Jordan Akins. Um, massive, massive fan of what he's going to bring. So, uh, excited for that. Be sure Watson, you know, loves him. Got great connections. Bit like Baker and Hollywood type connection is that fair? Yeah, I don't. I I think he certainly rates him, and he's got experience, and and that's the thing you want. You want seven, eight weapons that you can run out there on different packages. What the Sean Watson feels really comfortable with, um, because the more he builds that chemistry, that's going to make the difference. And it was it was quite messy, um, last season when he came in, but he had no real time working with them. Whereas he's got time. And there's no excuses now. We go into this season, he should know what the guys receiving want. And as well, the guys receiving the ball should know what he's going to do. I think the scramble plays um, will look a lot cleaner than they were. Scramble plays are always going to be a bit messy, but there should be more of a chemistry of knowing, right, this is going to happen next. Um, but defensive side, a lot more interesting because you could have a few more moving pieces there. A wide receiver room. I think everyone agrees it's an improvement on last year. Oh, it's, it's phenomenal. It's deep. Um, every team would love more wide receivers, but we've got four legitimate people that can catch a ball and then Bell and Tillman backing up. Marquise Goodwin would be a guy I would be happy with as the third wide receiver. He's the fourth at the minute. And Elijah Moore, he should be fun. 
Um, keen to see. I, I think he's definitely been overhyped because people are like, oh, he's going to get a thousand yards and this and everything else. And we just don't know yet. And it's going to be hard to get a thousand yards because there is so many talented weapons in this offense. Um, I, I think we're, we're in a nicer spot. But as you always say, one wide receiver injury, Amari Cooper's out. This this room doesn't look as good anymore. Yeah. And um, do you think the Browns will take three or four centres uh, on this year? Do you think they're going to go crazy on centres? Or you think uh, just Nick Harris two or three? probably gone. So you usually keep two centres. So uh, Nick Harris will, uh, might get traded late on. If Pochic and... Um, Who's the draft pick out of Ohio State? A oh, white player. Um, white healthy player. all the way through camp. Could be late on in the season. Someone else loses a centre and maybe we send Nick Harris somewhere and we get a fourth defensive tackle, an extra linebacker, a who knows what position. Maybe it's a fourth safety because they don't like Bell or Hickman. Um, yeah, I, I think he's lining up to be a trade chip. Last thing is, do you think Swartz makes the roster? Not a chance. Ian, any thoughts on the, on the last thing on the offense before we move to defense? Yeah, I would say from everything I know about Whipper out of Ohio State, him and Dawson Deaton are going to be fighting for that kind of center three practice squad position. And I think Nick Harris is right now the chalk of that center two. So if they can get somebody that one of those two guys kind of shines out, I think that's where Harris becomes expendable. But yeah, I think with bringing in Marquise Goodwin, the only shot Schwartz has, is if Goodwin you know gets dinged up in camp or something like that and has to go because they really do the same thing you know obviously run down the field very fast so Schwartz has a pretty big uphill climb to kind of make the fifty three that's for sure defense Jack what are you liking on the defense and a little bit concerned about the edge room I am loving um, I was happy with it and then they went out and added Zadarius Smith it, it is nuts um, legitimately the I think the best starting tandem. Um, you've probably got the Cowboys, the only other team that could argue with that um, at edge. And then Okoronkwo is a third. Brilliant. So um, over the moon with the edge um, room. Defensive tackles. Winfrey's obviously now got the boot. Um, and the fact they didn't even tell him, they just released it. And then boom, he's gone. Is uh, well-deserved because what's out there is not pretty for him. Um but interesting to see where it goes. I think we're now going to see four defensive tackles. I always felt five edges, four DTs was the most likely route. Um, we know we've got Tomlinson. We've got Elliott, whose deal's basically guaranteed now. Um, we've got Ika. I think Hurst is the favourite ahead of Hill and Togiai to get that fourth spot. But I still think I would love to go out. Go and sign me Matt Ioannidis. Go and sign me Ndomokun Sue. Just get me somebody that is going to take it to another level because whoever you sign is and has that fourth spot, they're going to probably need to play 40% of snaps. That is a big ask for Maurice Hurst, who is incredibly talented, but never healthy. Um, whereas if you get me Matt Ioannidis, I'm happy he's going to play 60% and everything's so much better. So uh, yeah, Ioannidis time, that is, that is the takeaway from the D-line. Defense, don't you think, is a little bit hard to tell because it's Schwartz, right? We don't really know what we're going to see with Schwartz. Obviously, Jack, you're right. The edges, them going out and getting Zadarius Smith to allow those young edges to develop behind them, you know, the Alex Wrights and stuff. That's what we've kind of been talking about is getting that veteran in there. That's what Clowney was supposed to be. 
because I've said it for going on three years now. Youth on that D-line is so key. It's so crucial to, like, success because you see the Bills, you see these teams, they rotate in these young guys, and it's just, like, constant waves of pass rush. So, yeah, they've, they've done a good job of adding that veteran after Clowney left to allow some of these younger guys to develop. And in the back half, you know, we're going to see because we got a lot of talented guys with high draft stocks and positions. What can Schwartz do with them? Because the talent's there. The question is, is can this talent fit this scheme and produce? I think people are a lot more worried about linebacker than they need to be. You're generally only going to see two on the field. There's going to be times where there's just one on the field. Um, the quality is going to come through the D-line and the secretary, which is certainly there. Rodney McLeod, one of my favourite signings. The fact that I, I think Grant Delpit is going to struggle to see the field the amount people think he's going to. Because if I'm looking at depth chart, Rodney McLeod is ahead of Delpit. Um, so just just want to keep in mind that uh, Delpit might just be your dime um, safety and a big nickel safety if uh, if you're bringing in the third one. I, I can easily see McLeod with Thornhill as your two starters. Mm. Um, so in the secondary, everyone's happy. Obviously, we lost... Um... Uh, greedy uh, Williams, he went to the Eagles, I think, in the end. Yeah, it, it, he he needs a fresh start somewhere else. Um, we we've got a talented group there, um, and re really interesting to see what they do because Newsom spoke about he's got a slightly more different role and he felt he was a bit more of a linebacker last year where Schwartz has promised they're going to be deeper in the uh, um, slot. Proof's going to be in the pudding. Um, because so, someone's got to get involved in it. You can't just have, if you're going to run dime, you can't just have five guys in terms of the run defense and everyone else told to get deep because that's just not going to balance. Do you think we've got enough depth there in the corner cornerback room? Because we've got uh, Greg Newsom, Martin Emerson, and Denzel Ward. And then you've got AJ Green, undrafted free agent, Mike Ford, Special and that. Teams. And that fifth and that fifth round pick we got as well, didn't we? Cameron Mitchell, yeah. I think we're all good, um, because I don't mind AJ Green rolling in. And if it's one where you lose one of the first three corners, I would just flip to a third safety base um and run three safeties and two corners in the nickel. So that's where I would trend. Um, just because we've got that third safety makes me feel a lot better. There I think you've got six legitimately really talented um guys in the secondary and you can just work that in and if someone goes down you only need someone to come in for dime rather than nickel so I, I feel really good about um, where we're at yeah I think you're talking there in that cornerback secondary role now don't let it be lost this is what a contract year for Delpit so he's going to be putting everything he can out there to get you know good tape out there so he can either extend with the Browns or find you know a bigger contract in free agency but the Browns are doing like they're in the edge room, in the cornerback room, bringing in Cam Mitchell, bringing these younger guys to develop under the veterans. So it's good to see we're building this pipeline of talent where, you know, if our depth needs to step in, they possibly can show up. But ultimately, we have some pretty good starters. But again, we really don't know what we're going to see. And we don't know what Bubba Ventron wants on specials. So we'll, we'll know a lot more as we kind of go through the show, break down the different position groups in depth. But, you know, how do we think we're going to cover this team this year? Do we have kind of a, a rough layout of it? What, what are we going to do, guys? So the current plan, we had, we had a call this week to discuss it. Um, we're looking at potentially five shows a week. 
So we're going all the way there. Um, dropping after the game, we'll do our post-game show. It'll be more of a quick snapshot of, right, here's where we are. Um, initial reactions. Then the plan is on Tuesday uh, morning. We'll drop our deeper dive, look back, sort of that full reflection of the game rather than the, the hot takey stuff, the emotions that you'll get in that first show. Then we're still playing with the topic for that Wednesday and Thursday show, but there'll be shows then. So by all means, if you've got suggestions, what you'd love to see on a weekly basis, shoot us the DMs, uh, Paul, me, Ian, whoever that is, and send your suggestions. We'll get some interviews in there as well with some guests. And then on Friday mornings, we'll drop our pre-game. Um, nothing on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, we're going to take a little break at those points. But as well, the show's going to become 20-minute shows. Um, we're going to mix it up. And that's 20 minutes of our content. So it'll be a little bit over that anyway because of intros, outros, and all the other glorious stuff that goes on. Um, but we're looking to slot it in about the 20 mark. So um, there might not be any surprises where you go to download a Paul Brown podcast and you find out it's 90 minutes long. Uh, how many minutes we're in at the moment, Jack? I think we're on 19 minutes. Uh, we're at 20 and a half. So uh, we're, we're over, but uh, it's only over because we're telling you all the great stuff that's coming this year. We were fully on course to finish if it had been a normal show. Yeah, and uh, guys, we've got a pack to make, do the season. We're super excited to be talking Browns. I'm going to get more involved this year. I'm going to do more on social media. And uh, yeah, super excited. Week one, week two, being out in Cleveland. Yeah, and it's not going to be five days a week from this is Saturday we drop this because that's our actual six-year anniversary. Not five days a week yet. We'll drop in some shows, but it's when the season goes. We'll be full five days. Um, there'll be several. I think we're going to do a deeper look at sort of position rooms and have a real chat about where we see it going over the future. But anything as well, always, if you guys want to hear a particular topic discussed, you just shoot us a message and we can uh, work it into the schedule. I'll make sure we have a show dedicated to the kingdom of the kickers as well, just for all of those people. I mean, I know we get thousands and thousands of requests for the kicker, you know, the kicker kingdom breakdown. So we'll make sure we have that for you this year. Mm. Everyone happy with the special team before we go? If Cade York, Cade York is different from any kicker I've seen, um, in Browns gear, and I don't go back as long as some people, but the the leg power is phenomenal because he will kick at distances that just other people, you just wouldn't even consider lining up a kick. Just got to fix that accuracy because um, if that doesn't get fixed, they could easily look at some other places, which would be disappointing. I would never have invested the draft pick to begin with, but he has something special. We just need to see it consistently. Specials is always about if. If they're good, then they'll be good, right? It's kind of a catch-22. But, yeah, with Boracquez, York, Charlie Hewlett, the question's going to be with the return coverage, which we don't know until camp breaks, and we're seeing, you know, how they're going to go out there and cover these kicks and punts. I trust them a lot more, though, because they've gone out and they've brought in specialist special teamers. We've got Matthew Adams at linebacker. We've got Kunisic at linebacker. We've got um, Ford at corner. They, they, they look like they're finally investing, and there was no point. When you're 1 and 31, you're not spending on special teams because you're trying to fix the starters. Now they've gone right deep. So uh, really intrigued and uh, excited for where it goes. I think that's the perfect opportunity to say, Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.